welcome to E-Commerce Innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e-commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e-commerce acceleration. everyone. This is e-commerce innovators. My name is John LeBaron. I'm the chief revenue officer at Pattern. This podcast is all about exploring the latest technology, the latest trends, and certainly meeting the brightest people in e-commerce. So we're thrilled to join uh, the podcast today and have a guest in the CEO of Buku. His name is Ken Muir and welcome to the show today. No, thanks for having me, John. I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here. These are, these are fun to do. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. So tell us a little bit for those that do not know anything about Buku. Tell us about it. So so Buku is a relatively young company. We've been around since uh, 2019. Uh, We focus on the experience that brands have between them and their customers for all things that are related to shipping from in the cart when they go to check out all the way through the journey is that package of lands at their doorstep. And then, uh, heaven forbid, if they happen to happen to have to return it, um, you know, we help them with uh, that as well. Yeah, such an interesting service, and definitely accelerated um, by COVID and the number of you know both D 2 C and the marketplace and everywhere in between. That is such an area of disruption. I'd look at, you know, even honestly, even before COVID, you look at you know kind of some of the fastest growing companies in this country. Many, many of them have to do with fulfillment of logistics. It's so complex, uh, it's so opaque. And I think, you know, companies like you guys that are bringing, democratizing those rates and that information um, and that customer experience are, are definitely at the forefront of what's some of the growth that's happening in the economy right now. For sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got there. The company started pre COVID, but not, I mean, pretty, like you said, it's a pretty new company. And, you know, were you brought in as kind of like an accelerator as a little bit of an adult supervision? What did it look like? Why, why did the founders decide to bring you in at this time? And how does your background kind of tie into that uh, need? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a 25-year software veteran. You know, I've been doing this for quite a long time. Uh, I'm a software engineer in my heart. And, you know, my passion is building great great software that solves real customer pains. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is my, my second time being a CEO. I, I led my previous company, Guava, to a uh, very successful exit in, in 2016. And you brought up COVID, but during the COVID time, and really since the time that uh, we, we sold our, our, my former company, I kept my eye out for a great opportunity. And yeah. I was approached in August by the founders of Buku. And, uh, you know, it's been... You know, it's been a it's been a steep learning curve, uh, but it you know it's been incredibly rewarding because there are just so many e-commerce brands that are experiencing a lot of pain in their shipping, and I I just I love being able to help them solve those pains and really enable them to do what they want to do. They don't want to think about shipping; they want to build their brand and they want to drive their own businesses. And that's that's actually the mission statement of Buku is to you know enable our customers to focus on their business and not on their shipping. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be such a drag, it can be such a friction point. Um, and you don't always know what you don't know as a brand in terms of the efficiency gains you could have, the savings. Uh, but I would say that's certainly true in our business. The biggest chunk of quote unquote our margin gets eaten up by fulfillment of logistics. It's just massive. 
Um, tell us a little about, you know, you and I chatted before the show a little bit around what it's like being a CEO this time around versus last time. And I, I thought there were some interesting learnings there. I think our, you know, audience would benefit from hearing a little bit more around your, your take on that. It is very different being a second or third time CEO. You know, they always, people always joke about, you know, when it's usually done in the context of a marriage, first or second, you know, to fix their mistakes and those types of things. But for me, you know, first time you're the CEO, you, you, and I don't want this to come across wrong, but in some ways, you know, you're figuring out yourself, you're figuring out, you know, you've never been that you've had other positions that have helped prepare you. Yeah. But it, it, it's got a little element of, you know, your success in it. And, you know, when, when you have done that and you have a chance, you know, we've done it, done it successfully. Um, not saying it was done perfect by any means, but, you know, you had, had some good success and then you get another opportunity. It's just different. And I, I don't want it to come across as cliche, but I'm, my driver is no longer me. I'm, I'm way down at the bottom. And maybe that was something wrong with me before that I've had to mature or whatnot. But I truly go to work every single day for our customers and for our team. And it's, it makes it more fun. You know, when you're not in it really for yourself and you're doing it for others, work becomes much more enjoyable. And, and that's what I've, you know, I've been experiencing with uh, Buku. I've loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about, you know, your focus today on customers versus, you know, maybe in a previous company and their success, uh, which is kind of a function, honestly, of the business model. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah. Uh, so in, in the past, and in fact, this goes all the way back to, you know, my previous days, at, even at Novell, we absolutely cared about our customers. I'm going specifically to Guava now, but but we, we care deeply about our customers. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if we sold, we sold a lot into banks and finance. And so if we, if we did a $5 million deal with a certain bank, you know, for, for, you know, yearly deal, 5 million, we got our 5 million. You know, our, we, we had to provide the service, but whether their business went up or their business went down, didn't really matter. What's different with, you know, pattern and with Buku is, we, it's a different level of engagement with your customers because yeah. their business success is directly proportional to your business success. If our customers are thriving, if they're driving revenues, if they're driving, you know, the number of sales they're making online, that in turn's driving the number of shipments that they're doing. And thus we all rise together and it just creates this deeper bond and this deeper level of truly caring about your customer success. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very different dynamic to kind of be move from the expense side of the ledger uh, more to truly like the revenue side of the, the, the ledger and helping those brands grow and sharing in the upside of those joint efficiencies or those joint you know, successes and, and acceleration. So I think it's, it's super powerful for sure. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about innovation, right? Like you're an interesting, you know, executive because you have so much domain expertise. I think you graduated with a degree in electrical engineering. You sit on multiple boards, et cetera. So that gives you this kind of insight. You have this massive track record in helping build and scale technology companies. Um, you know, what was your background in fulfillment and logistics and, and how much does that actually matter 
when you're building a platform of this magnitude? Yeah, so my background in fulfillment and logistics, it goes all the way back to August of last year. So, <laughs> but the, the thing that's very important to me, and this happens a lot, um, you know, you, you oftentimes and throughout my career when I was a young engineer, you know, you'd find, you would find the pain points and, you, you know, you would build some great software. And as a young engineer, I used to think, well, what's the problem? That should just sell itself. It's the greatest software in the world. And I've since you know, I had to learn that, you know, the most important part of that is having that deep expertise and ecosystem partners, you know, such as patterns, such as our warehouses and our 3PLs and our, you know, warehouse management software um, providers. And, you know, that's, that's really, you know, the important part. And that's really how, you know, I've shifted in innovating. Innovation isn't just within the technology, it's innovating within how you relate and how you build those partnerships and how you together you know, drive growth businesses. And so that, that's really been, you know, my excitement of joining Buku is I knew I had those industry expertise. You know, we got former online sellers, people who've been in MLMs and had to deal with shipping. We have DHL, FedEx, UPS, uh, former VPs and executives. They're all there. They, and they just needed some help with the software. And so I've been able to bring in a fantastic team and leverage some of my expertise and, uh, you know, that's really what's uh, transformed us and turned us into a major, you know, SaaS provider within the e-commerce shipping space. Yeah, I love it. Well, I've got to imagine you have a, a bunch of different types of customers. You mentioned your, your go-to-market. I think there's, there's been a bunch of innovation there in terms of how do you scale the business leveraging these other partnerships or routes to market. So uh, that, maybe that's an area we could ultimately kind of explore as well. Um, what does that look like? How did you... Well, you know, you, you are this engineer, but you actually had a lot a big, a long degree as an executive, as well as uh, running sales teams, et cetera. How did you think about was, were those routes to market already in place when you got there? Is it something you really trying to been, been pushing to get the, uh, the company to grow faster? What, tell us more about that. Well, it's, it's a natural piece. So, so our technology has something that's very important. So we have our in-cart, um, you know, what we call our checkout CX or our checkout customer experience. Yeah. And we make the shopping cart the source of all truth. And that's a unique differentiator. And what that means, though, is we better be, you know, I'm, I'm waving my hands. I realize this is an audio podcast. <laughs> it's probably more effective with my hands. But, uh, but uh, you know, we drive down ensuring that all the way through fulfillment, you know, whether it's the warehouse rates or our rates or the customer rates, and all the way down to what's actually being charged by the carrier. We have to build those partnerships and make sure that what shows in the customer or shows in the brand's cart is accurate all the way through. We can't just go put stuff in there with the brand and then it not be in the line. And yeah. so we have to talk to the 3PLs, to the warehouses. We have to know what the carrier rates and what the rate cards are. And by virtue of doing that and being very considerate of the, you know, the interaction layers and the taggings and all the things that fulfillment needs and having those conversations. And they, they then in turn see, hey, look, I love what, you know, this brand is saying they want to do. And I like working with you. Let me introduce you to you know, our other 30 brands. And so that's been a, that's been a key piece of our, of our customer acquisition strategy. And frankly, it just evolved um, naturally and it evolved by 
being a team player, you know, with them and, and partnering with them and not being threatening and, you know, not making, you know, making sure they understand we're here to help them provide more value to their customers, be more sticky, which, you know, all the three PLs and warehouses are looking for, for ways to be more than just pick it out of the, off the shelf, shove it in a box and, you know, hopefully provide a good rate. It's yeah. More than that. Yeah. That experience is definitely paramount. When you think about, you know, the footprint of the business, I don't know how many countries you operate in or, or facilitate. Maybe it's honestly endless because you're just that thin layer um, between the carrier and the customer in terms of that cart. How much of your business, if you can even say, is, you know, kind of on the domestic side versus international? Is international a big growth area um, in terms of innovation and planning for the future? Tell us about what that landscape kind of looks like today. Yeah, domestic's definitely still dominant with, you know, and our, our business and how many countries we're in is only limited by our, our, our customers and our brand and how many countries they're shipping to. But we open up a door that before a lot of brands didn't, you know, it's too confusing to go down the international path. Um, there's a lot of pain points in expanding internationally, but particularly, you know, right now with the, you know, the U.S., everyone's talking doom and gloom recession. Um, you know, they, that's a way for them to diversify, you know, and sell and maybe shift some of their marketing into other, you know, whether it's into the EU, the UK, Australia, you know, into Asia, you know, whichever they, they see that, Hey, if I can diversify and I can spread some of this risk, you know, should a recession hit the U.S., but they just don't know how there's just it's complicated there's a lot of regulations um you have to be able to calculate in the cart what's called you know uh, fully land what we refer to as fully landed cost mm -hmm. so you know which means you're you're shipping with a label that's had all taxes and duties paid all the way to the end point um if you don't if you don't have that ability again that that source of truth in the cart uh, your the, the brand may send a package and then their customer gets a notification from their local post that says, hey, we have a package for you. Come in and pay 10 more euro and the package yeah. is yours. The customer's like, no way, man. And they, they contact the brand, hey, give me a refund. So what happens? They have to get a refund if they care about their customers. Yeah. That package is stuck somewhere. They're not going to have it shipped back. They're not going to get it and they just lose the order. Um, that's a big pain point that you know, we help them solve. And then there's also in the EU and other areas, there's a lot of compliance things. So such as you have to file your own taxes, you have to, and you know, you don't, people don't want to get into that. Hey, if I start selling there, I got a, you know, expense on the accountant side, whatever. Yeah. We actually have a subsidiary in the Netherlands that uh, files what's referred to as, you know, we have what's referred to as an IOSS number, which enables us to handle all of that for them. And, you know, we just open up that door for them to expand internationally. And that's been a big key to, you know, our, our growth. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Well, tell us a little bit about the innovation you're seeing or, or facilitating on the customer side, because being so close to, uh, you know, truly the customer success, you've, you've probably even in the short time you've been there, been able to see some of the growth um, and innovation that you've enabled on the customer side. To your earliest point, your mission is kind of to, you know, allow the brands to focus on what they do well and then, you know, pick up the stuff that maybe isn't as uh, germane to what, what they're really, really good at. So tell us about kind of the acceleration you're 
pushing on that customer side and some of the successes you've seen within that customer base? Yeah, we we have seen we have a lot of analytics, as you can you can understand. You know, we 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 have all the information across you know many 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 customers and millions and millions of packages, and so we're able to look inside that data lake that we have, and we're able to do a lot of things dynamically at the checkout time, which I've already referred to with our uh, uh, shipping you know customer experience platform. But we have the ability to say, okay, you. You want to, you know, A-B testing, for example, you know, set up different lanes within your cart and then we can go back and tell you, you know, are, did which one got picked the most and did you, were you able to actually monetize, you know, that particular lane and how do you word things in the cart, whatnot, but we also know the volume that's being sold. So we can go back to the customer and say, hey, look, we saw an uptick in your volume, a down, you know, downtick in your volume and, you know, our customers, we have one in, one in particular that I won't. You know, they, they, they sell, they sell hats. They sell very, very expensive and awesome hats. Yeah. Well, because their hats have a, what's called referred to as a dim factor. They did. And I could say some of these terms wrong. I'm still a little bit of a rookie. <laughs> I'm learning all the acronyms here, but uh, they, their, their package exceeds certain dimensions. And if you're not careful, you can lose tens of thousands of dollars in the shipping if you're not cognizant of what's going on and you know charging the right price that's one customer where we drastically reduce their expenses but in the context of it we were actually able to lower the shipping cost within their cart through uh you know through the rates that we also were able to provide underneath that that software so that's a case where they experienced a big reduction in expense and an uptick in their online sales. But the more tangible to your question, the more tangible element of that is really with our partners, with our warehouses. Our warehouses are are seeing 10, 20, 30% increases in their volume and in their profits by partnering with us. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of case studies that we've put together and other things that we actually take to the warehouses and, you know, and references, which is critical, you know, you, we all, you know, our brands, patterns, customers, our customers, us ourselves, we want our customers to become our, our biggest marketing tool. And they want them to be fans of Buku. And we've been able to do that by not only, you know, helping them, but then we come back and show them exactly what happened and exactly how we help them, which is just absolutely critical. And uh, has, and so that, those are the two points that, we have seen where we've actually helped them drive more business, drive more revenue, and more importantly, reduce expenses, helping their bottom line. Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure it's, you know, it's only going to continue because the crazier the economy gets and the more expensive inflation going up and just supply chain snarls, uh, it's just more and more important and critical for brands to figure out how to solve for the fulfillment and logistics end of the equation, which as we mentioned before, is just usually the most expensive part of that equation. So yeah, kudos to you and the team. I guess as you take a step back a little bit and think through how am I creating a culture of innovation at the company and facilitating that, um, I hate to use, well, I don't hate to, I'd love to use dad jokes. So how do you promote kind of out of the box or in the box uh, kind of thinking um, that's going to take your organization to the next level? You know, uh, when it comes to innovation, it's, a, it's a really, it's really hard to, to 
specifically, you know, answer a, a one single thing, you know, um, I, I, I answer that in multiple cases. So, so first, you know, if you, if you understand what your customer pain points are, um, you know, you can either do that, you know, or I should say, understand what the pain points are, you know, you can do that by either having experienced them yourself, um, or by listening to your, your customers and potential customers. In Buku's case, you know, it's, it's really both. And, you know, I have to, you know, kudos to the, the pattern team. You know, I, I love being at Accelerate. And frankly, I don't like conferences. So I, my team knows that. I, I don't know why, but there was something about your conference, you know, in June um, that the first off, the people were there, were there. You guys set the tone in your keynote. Dave set the tone in his keynote. We're here to learn from each other. Rising, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And yeah. so you had a bunch of people there who truly wanted to talk to everybody. And it, it was eye-opening and invigorating for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just had incredible discussions with, uh, with the attendees at the conference. And, uh, you know, that's already influenced our feature set and influenced our roadmap. Love and I, I think as a CEO, though, you, you got to provide just enough guidance to your team. And sometimes we as leaders, we, we provide too much. We go too far. We don't, we don't want to be vague. We're so afraid of being vague that we're almost in our explanation of it, solving it. And we, we pin them into, into a box, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. They got to have direction, but you know, we got to let them utilize their talents and their skills to implement the resolution to the problem without having already directed them. And for, for me, I think that's where really innovation comes from. It comes from, you have to truly understand the pain. You have to allow amazing team members um, in both your product management, and your engineering teams to be creative and innovative. And you just have to trust and empower them to do so. And those, that's what I'm trying my best to do at Buku. And uh, I think, I think we're succeeding. I think, you know, we always have a lot of work to do, but I think uh, we're succeeding and we're innovating and, you know, thinking out of the box, if you will. And I, I joked with you earlier, the out of the box metaphor, I'm a big believer and there's a book sitting right behind me that, you know, the, the solutions to the problem are in the box. And I think sometimes we spend so much time looking for the silver bullets where it's just business 101, people 101, you know, the, the way to solve the problems right in front of your face, quit looking over the top of it, trying to find something else. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So um, but I think in a way, even if the answer is in the box, you know, creating a culture of innovation, uh, ability to fail, you know, and to your point, not a super prescriptive culture, allowing people to kind of figure it out, even if the answer is staring them in the face, um, I think provides, you know, again, more autonomy, creates more resiliency within that, um, you know, employee base. So I think it's, it's really fantastic. Um, a lot of good principles that we can learn from there. Well, um, you know, the only other thing that I really wanted to cover before we get into some of your top leadership principles is really, and, and I know you haven't been at the company a super long time, but you've probably spent enough time observing, listening, meeting with prospective customers and current customers to get a sense of like, who's going to win, right? And, and kind of what it takes ultimately to you know, what brands really need to deliver on to become a leader in their respective segment or category. So what are some of the observations you've had in terms of, you know, looking forward and, and determining and maybe even predicting which brands will pull ahead and which ones will uh, kind of suffer? 
Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, it absolutely does have to start with having a great a great product, and I think everybody knows that you, you do need to start with having a great product that solves uh, a real customer pain. But the yeah. challenge is, unless you've created something that's just so out there that no one's thought of, you know, I always subscribe. There's no original ideas, but there's original implementation, and so. You know, it's the most important thing is to differentiate your brand. And the way you do that is through superior brand marketing, touch points, um, the experience that you provide for your customers. The ones who are going to win are the ones who do this. And for, you know, e-commerce businesses, um, a big part of that, you know, brand and experience and that brand interaction is how your website functions. You know, that, that becomes for a lot of people your face. And it's the entity that, that people see and they connect with. And for me, the way that I try to help get into that, or me, me and Buku, is that you know, that final portion of that interaction is that checkout page. And it's small little things. But that experience, you know, after they've already had a great experience, great search capabilities, um, you know, and there's all the follow-up, there's a whole bunch of things that are beyond this that I, I can't touch on in this short of a discussion. But that experience that they have at the end of that checkout shouldn't be a question of whether or not they're, they're going to buy it. It should just simply be a question of, you know, when do I want it? And, you know, how quick do I want this thing, you know, and, and, you know, what are my options for getting it quicker? If I forgot my anniversary, which I'm famous for doing or <laughs> my wife's birthday or whatever, or, you know, can I wait two weeks and, you know, pay the lowest amount? And, yeah. if, you know, if you provide that experience, that last little final touch, um, it, it cr increases your loyalty. They, they have a better experience and, you know, your card abandonments disappear at that point. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, this has been so fascinating to catch up, learn more about your background, learn more about the organization, and certainly learn just around what's happening in the industry, what you're seeing, and how we all can kind of improve. With that in mind, uh, I always ask my guests to share with me the number one leadership principle that they try to espouse um, or imbue into their organizations. And having been, you know, a CEO before and having been an executive for so long, I'm sure you've rub shoulders and seeing every, you know, kind of leadership value in the book, but what one sticks out to you? What one do you kind of like cherish the most uh, from your perspective? Uh, boy, I, 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 you know, it's hard just to have one, but I can pick a section. So call it a category, but it, I believe strongly in just being real and being myself, you know, I'm, Sometimes I do some, you know, I do brilliant things. Sometimes I do stupid things, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it means being transparent. It means being vulnerable, but yet at the same time, you're, you're, you're still confident and, you know, it's, it's okay for, for my team to know that I, I made a mistake or that I, I doubt things that I have doubt, both self-doubt, there's self-doubt, there's doubts and decisions. You know, and I think it's important to, you know, just be real, let them know, hey, look, you know, team, I, I have doubts. Some days I think I got this all figured out. And other days I, I look at myself in the mirror and I says, you know, you're a dope. You know, what, what are you doing? How do you think, you know, why do you think you're going to be able to do this? And I think that, you know, that shows by, by sharing that it shows a, that you're real and it creates this bond of trust. It creates, you know, I've had people come up and say, 
you shared that and I look at you and you know, I like, I don't, you're so confident. You know, I didn't really think you had the same things that I have. And I just really appreciated you, you know, sharing that. And that builds that trust that you need, that ability to, hey, if I fell, it's okay. We win together, we fell together. And, and I, I really believe that's what builds great, great teams. And building a great team uh, that is a, a we is, you know, nobody works for someone else. We, we work as a team for, in my case, right now, for Buku. We're loyal to Buku. We report to Buku. We are an entire team, you know, acting as one, trying our best to deliver the best e-commerce, you know, shipping customer experience to our brands. And frankly, we're having a blast doing it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's been absolutely refreshing. And I'm very, very thankful that I have a team that enables me to be myself and to be real and to, you know, create that environment to build up a great company. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I agree with you. I just think authenticity and the ability to kind of show up as you are and not to have to put on false bravado, false pretenses, being able to make mistakes, uh, while at the same time, be able to acknowledge strengths um, is just a, a really good recipe for kind of, as I always say, producing the best work of your career. So uh, I wish you guys uh, the very, very best. You're just down the street here. Um, and uh, certainly any of the listeners here, if you have a challenge, which I would venture to guess everyone on the call, you know, everyone listening does, uh, head on over to Buku, take a look, see if there are some uh, opportunities to create efficiencies or scale uh, or partner with good people. And um, any other parting thoughts that you wanted to share that we haven't gotten to, Ken, on the podcast today? No, just just appreciation. You know, appreciation for allowing allowing me to to spend a little bit of time with you. I, I love what Pattern's doing, and I more I love the people within Pattern. You know, I express that at the event. You guys yeah. are doing you guys are doing things right, and uh, you know, together we we all work together. We all have the same ultimate desire, and that's to truly help our customers succeed. And it's just it's just a great circle of great people to be involved with. And I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I appreciate it too. And we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, aren't we? It's just fantastic to be surrounded and feel the strength and the momentum of the community. And, and truly, uh, you know, we're all learning on this journey together as well. So really wish you guys the very, very best and hope to have you on the show again sometime soon. All right. Thanks so much, John. Wish you the best as well. All right. Thank you so much, Ken. Again, parting thoughts. Uh, we are, this is e-commerce innovators and we're thrilled to have you um, listening to this show. Feel free to like and subscribe and share this podcast with others that you think might find value from it. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Thank you.